0: You are listening to the Cast.
1: Hey, it's your toes.
2: Back with another bit of advice. Now I know you love them La Sportiva TC pros. Great for cracks, off edging and smearing on granite. And TC, well, he's kind of the godfather. A real made man, if you know what I'm saying. So I don't mean any disrespect, Tommy. But when it comes to us little toesies... Sometimes it's nice to feel the rock we're grabbing. And though the fingers get all the fun stuff, the full crimping, the half crimping, three-finger drag crimping, half-four-finger drag crimping, decaf drag with two pumps of vanilla crimping, turns out us toes can push and pull too, just like that old barefoot Chuck. That guy has beautiful, crimpy little toes. A little too beautiful, if you're asking me. And we can't have people not buying shoes now, can we, Chuck? Anyway... That's where La Sportiva's reinvented Mantra Slipper comes in. The softest, lightest climbing shoe on the market. Thin, comfy, real sensitive. Just like us toes. You know we have a sensitive side too, and we're happy to remind you of the pain we can feel come ice climbing season. So, in the gym, on steep climbing outside, let your toes feel the rock instead of just knocking around in your shoe like a bunch of ripe walnuts. And get us in a pair of Mantra's stat. Go to sportiva.com or your local shop and treat your toes to a pair of mantras and maybe as a special treat we'll let you keep all your toenails this year. Oh wait, what? It's mantra, not mantra? What's a mantra? Is your neck hurt Blank. someone else's project? Does your partner get in way over his head even on the warm-ups? Does the phrase, I'll just do this move one more time make your eyeballs spin then let belay specs fight for you. When my boyfriend started falling lower and lower on his project, belay specs saved my neck and got me a new boyfriend. Belay or neck pain, also known as BNP, can interfere with work, play, family, and snapping your head around at the gym to check out those abs. And you have rights which are being crushed every time your partner yells take. So if your neck has been injured in an epic belay session, Go to blazepecs.com to see if you qualify for a pair of Specs and to get what you deserve. Entry NormaCast at checkout for a discount. Blaispex is not licensed to give legal advice to anyone. Results may vary by steepness. If Blaispex cause you to trip, fall down, run into a door, nausea, dry mouth, you're probably too high to climb to begin with.
0: Listen, done, uh, right? uh where are you playing in town? Are, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo
2: Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. It's oh, yeah, the big place outside of town. That's, that's a big nice. place. You sold oh, it so out. I'll say, so you really should.
0: What the hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Uh, no, Today's show is brought to you by Black Time and Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the Norma cast off the deck since 2012.
2: And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Norma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Norma cast.
0: And now back to the show.
2: Hello and welcome to the Enorma Cast. This is your host Chris Caluse. It is September 15th, about 10:30 here in Colorado, 2022, and this is episode 249 of the Enorma Cast. A conversation with Sebastian Belt. And that's the best you're going to hear me do on that name. His friends call him Seb, so I will too. To who's Sebastien Bette? He's a Belgian climber who came over here on a sailboat last year. And in the fall and through the winter was working on the Dawn Wall with Siba Van He, who I interviewed during that process. Um, But he went on to climb a bunch of other stuff on El Cap. And he first kind of came to my notice when he did, I believe it's the seventh ascent of the nose, a ground up ascent, and was successful on that, and, you know, again, with with European climbers, these guys that pop into Yosemite and do these incredible things, a lot of times we don't really hear about it in the States, so after I talked to Siba, I definitely wanted to get in touch with this guy, and this whole sailboat thing, this uh, statement about climate change that he tried to do, as well as just an amazingly motivated, fun climber, um, if you watch any of his videos, it's mostly him laughing, his hair out of control, his lycra with holes in it, and um, just a really good spirit, I think, following in the footsteps of the likes of Nico Favras and, and uh, Sean Villanueva-Odriscoll, that kind of fun-loving but sending. And I tell you, that's like the best combination when you have the skills, but you can also sort of make fun of yourself. It's a good and an impressive combination that I totally enjoy. So I was glad that he sat down and talked to me, and we did it over the internet. He was in Belgium at his parents' house, and I was here in Colorado, and do you guys remember when I used to do these all face-to-face? That was was kind of my thing. Did a little over 200 of them face-to-face, and then COVID changed all that, and I started doing them remotely because of that, but it's kind of cool. It's opened the world to me. I'm not able, you know, I don't have the budget to just like fly around the world and talk to these people. So it's pretty cool that we can connect, but it has its technical issues. You know, there was always a little bit of a delay when you're going halfway around the world, makes it hard to have a conversation, Um, technical difficulties abound. But, uh, you know, I think most of the difficulty in this one was to do to, uh, to language, Seb's English is excellent, but you know when we started to really get into his feelings about climate change and what he was trying to do with his sailboat trip, you know his his language failed him a little bit. So you'll have to give him a break in that part. We we kind of laugh about it, but anyhow, this is a great conversation with one of the best climbers I think I've ever talked to. This guy's up and coming. He's motivated. He's an excellent sport climber. They did not send the Don Wall free. Uh, But he did a lot of other amazing stuff and I think it was an incredible trip and he's definitely planning on coming back. So I hope you are down with this, a little cross-cultural, cross-language interview with Sebastian Belt. That's not bad. I'm not doing too bad on his name, I don't think. He's probably chuckling. But with all
1: due respect, sir, here we go. You smell that? Aroma crisp mountain dew on living cowhide. That dusky scent only means one thing. That's right. September is upon us. Yee-haw! Getting up early to mend them fences all summer is about to pay off when them crisp temps let you pull down on hold smaller than a whisker on a tadpole. Dime Edge is going to feel like Diaz Pesos. They're significantly larger. Look it up. And as you gallop into September with a twinkle in your eye and a spur in your buttocks, let Black Diamond be your trusty steed. They got all you need for pedal wrestling, sport climbing, and of course the best traditional climbing protection this old cowpoke's ever seen. If you ain't riding the range with a saddlebag full of Camelots, well, son, you ain't cowboy or cowgirl or cowperson. You get my meaning. So when it comes to poking cows... Well, that's your business, but as far as climbing goes, nobody has you covered head to toe like Black Diamond. Check them out at blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop. And though I might have gone too far this time, at the moment, Black Diamond is still a proud sponsor of the Normal cast.
0: So actually, the, the idea of doing such a trip, it came from uh, my willingness not to take the plane anymore due to environmental reason. So I, I talked with few friends. A few of them were quite psyched for, uh, with the idea. And uh, we found a, a sailboat I, I had never sailed before. Six of my friends neither. So we, we found a captain that, that helped us like just learning how to sail and we went for it and i just actually i just i just came back from that trip three weeks ago so it was a uh, nine month nine month long i i think I, as you said that was fun because like i discovered the normal cast while sitting during right. the night <laughs> yeah that, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's awesome yeah when you you sent me a message and said that oh yeah i've heard your show i i listened to it on on watch um uh you know your watches on the sailboat um which was an awesome image i'm not a sailor and you know so i only have images from pictures and movies and stuff but uh that you know you out in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night listening to normacast seemed like uh, a pretty pretty cool so i appreciate that little note um how big was the
0: sailboat 51 feet 15 Mm -hmm. meters so we were eight in there so it was pretty squeezed. Uh, uh, the, the longest sail we had was uh, 31 days without touching any any land. So yeah, <laughs> it, was a, it was kind of an interesting adventure, I would say. The only thing you, you can do is just think and hear some podcasts and music. So, so I guess we, we had a lot of time to, to talk and, and listen to some things. <laughs> that was nice.
2: All right, so you came up with this this idea. Um, you found some people willing to do it. You uh, learned how to sail. So tell me when you're when you were leaving. All right, so you you left from
0: where? We left from Spain okay. near Barcelona. Yeah, and the idea was to to cross and go directly to the US.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then we we had some trouble with the the visa and. And so we we could not land with the private sailboat in the us directly so we landed uh, in mexico and then we crossed mexico with the with a van that we bought and and drove to to yosemite valley so and there i I stayed a few months there
2: right so (laughs) tell me the moment you're leaving or maybe it was if you left from barcelona you had to um pass gibraltar into the ocean but Was there ever a point where you were just like, holy shit, like this, this seemed like a cool idea, but now we're in the middle of the ocean. I mean, did you have those moments of like, why have I done this kind of a thing? Because it seems like it would be, I mean, we're as climbers, we're like, you know, we're attached to the earth. Like we literally attach ourselves to rocks and things. So tell me about any of those moments when you first set off across the ocean. Did you stay psyched or did you think like, oh my God?
0: I guess there there were many, many moments where we were like, we were all like, what are we doing here? There were many, many moments like this. Yeah, I remember even two days after we left Barcelona, we had this this day without any wind at all. So we drink a day and a half or like almost two days. We didn't move. It was beginning of October, and I I wanted to arrive uh, in Yosemite in winter. And at that moment, I I was like, oh, maybe we will never be in the US. I mean, we don't know. We knew it, it would take time, but as it all depends on the wind, sometimes you just like, you don't move at all for a day or two, and you're supposed to do like... Five thousand miles, <laughs> and and like the ma- the maximum speed the boat we had with the boat was uh was uh, I think uh, eight miles or something eight miles per ho- per hour. So it's crazy like how different it is from just taking a plane. You just don't even think about the destination. You just think about the day after or tomorrow or what you're gonna do in the next hours. Because if you think about the destination and and the Yosemite, you just get depressed, I guess. Right. <laughs> Too far away. <laughs> but in the beginning, we were really psyched about training on the boat. I would say we had the best facility ever to train on a boat for climbing. I don't think anyone before like, had such a, such a nice training wall, such a nice place to train on a boat. So we were re- really psyched about the idea of, of getting fit and getting in good shape for climbing while sailing which which was uh i would say the the biggest challenge of that trip at the beginning
2: <laughs> well yeah because the hidden lead here is that you were going to attempt the dawn wall and uh you're about to be you know stuck in a boat for i mean months really um which yeah, yeah i mean that that seems like not a good recipe in terms of like oh, i'll go try to do the hardest thing i've ever done climbing wise probably in your life and then beforehand i'm just going to be stuck sitting around i mean did you guys actually stay fit did you train did did it all work out the way you wanted to or you know was it like a lot of people's training walls where it got less and less inviting over time because you were stuck on it no
0: of course it was less and less inviting but uh, (laughs) i mean we, we we could hold quite a while training hard i would say so we we had basically a small like a, a, a wall actually with with footholds uh, on 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 the different wall of the of the room inside the boat which was great actually we could we could do proper climbing movements and we had like at least five or six fingerboards dispatched uh, everywhere on the on the on the boat outside inside so so we could do like finger strength we could do like fitness we could we could do a lot of things and yeah it, it was nice to um, to work about, uh, on our creativity i would say
2: <laughs> right yeah. yeah i mean there's great images on your instagram of, of a wall that's right on the deck and um uh, yeah. and, and yeah and, and what was the weather like in terms of um the passage to well, we can stick with um the two we'll just keep it in chronological order so yeah on the way to the states crossing the atlantic from europe what was the weather like
0: the weather on the first traverse were was pretty pretty good i mean it was really warm but we almost had no rain we had good winds that was pushing it uh, pushing us like in the right way so it was pretty com- comfortable i would say even for training but uh, on the way back to europe we had a lot of trouble with the wind. We were sailing uh, mostly upwind, which means that the boat is swinging way more. And so uh, on the way back, I didn't train at all. Like I was, I was pretty tired from from the season in Yosemite, but it was way harder to to train, even to move, even to cook was was a challenge on the way back.
2: Let me ask you one last question about the sailing too: Is what what are your um what are your sort of sea legs like? Are you know, someone who's never been on a boat or never sailed anyway, you know, were you <laughs> able to keep keep yourself down below deck without losing your lunch? Or how did that go for you? Because that's usually a well, bit, I mean, I've it's it's a big surprise and it's also hard to predict what, what's going to happen, yeah, whether you're going to be one of those people that just, you know, can't handle it or or can't. So how, how is that?
0: Well, l- let me tell you about uh, my first experience sailing. It was just a week before the departure. Just a week before we ju- we would leave for uh, for the uh, the whole traverse, and we we just went out to test and to try with everyone, all the team, and I threw uh, my dinner, of course, <laughs> I threw it away, everything, and that was a pretty bad news. I was like, oh no, maybe I'm I'm one of the uh, these people who. Just can cannot handle it, and I was already so involved in it that I, I mean, I could not step back or I, well, so I, I was like, oh no, maybe it's it won't be possible for me. So the first time I, I threw it away, second time as well, and then the third day that we tested was okay. I mean, was I was getting a bit more used to it, but uh, actually the whole traverse I was a bit sick. I had a sea seasickness all the time. I wouldn't say I was like, I was not um, like putting out all my meals. It's like the day after a big party every day. <laughs> <laughs> you, like every day is like hangover every day, I would say. I mean, you, you're a bit dizzy, obviously, but uh, also really lazy. You don't want to do anything. You just want to, to stay laid and and wait. (laughs) So you
2: landed in, in Mexico, um, went, went up to Yosemite. And again, the plan all along was to, to climb on the Dawn wall. And, uh, I actually ended up interviewing, uh, your partner for that Siba Van Hee. And, um, just, just before you guys were, I, I think you'd been up on it or you'd been, been doing a little bit of the preliminary logistical work. And it's just kind of interesting because, you know, he was super stoked. It was, it was a fun interview. You know, you guys had just gotten there. He, he had flown, um, for various reasons. And then I've been followed. I followed the saga all through, you know, just Instagram. Cause I was interested now. And after talking to Seba. Uh, and so, you know, that site, kind of, at least in his, on his part kind of hit a wall, you know, you guys ended up, um, having a really hard time with it so let's talk a little bit about the climbing now and, and um the approach and, and some of the some of the trials that you guys ran into up on the dawn wall um yeah can, yeah. can you kind of walk us through that that arc of yeah. of arriving and and uh, finding out what 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 it was like really the climbing up there and what it was gonna be like logistically for you guys up there on the uh dawn wall
0: well, despite the sailing, I, I arrived in, in the U.S. in really good shape, I would say, physically. At least my upper upper body was uh, feeling really strong. Yeah. We 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 had a stop in El Salto in Mexico to just do some sport climbing in our way to, to the U.S. I was really confident. I, I could I could uh, I felt that my fingers were really strong. My all my upper body was strong. Of course, my my technique was not the best. But after a few days I, I was was feeling really, really okay and really confident about the downwall. so uh, after a few days there, like I decided to go directly to the u s uh, to to Yosemite and join sib So I was really confident until my first day on the downwall <laughs> as as Siebe told you, really like we we got our ass kicked <laughs> for sure. I guess it's logical if if I had to do it again I I think I would go on El Cap on other other route before going into the downhole. cause it's so specific on the feet even the gears like it, it had been a while I I didn't climb with putting gears so even falling on on these small pieces on on the the third pitch was like was frightening for me and I I was climbing super bad <laughs> <laughs> These first days were were pretty hard. I, I actually i i didn't expect such to be such a challenge to just just to reach the anchor, aiding or just climbing as much as we could was was really hard. I mean, I knew the downwall would be freaking hard, but it's even harder, I would say, <laughs> than than what oh. I expected. the The first days were pretty intense for both both of us, Sib and I. But we still managed to, to go up the whole route without doing every move, but at least going up the pitches. It took us, uh, two weeks of work just to, to go out, uh, to go up the whole, the whole downwall. I think we, in total, we spent two months working on the, mm-hmm. on the pitches on the whole route. At the end of the, the two months, I guess we, we could like, we could uh, climb the the route in, in sections. We didn't send any any pitch in the two months. I would say, we but we could do all the moves. And after the these two months, I felt I felt I had I had a, a small chance of sending the route. I would say. So before you left,
2: at least on the sailboat, were you able to get on granite and climb on on something that you maybe felt might end up being similar? Plus, you also were not. A, a new person to Yosemite. I mean, you had plenty of previous free routes under your belt.
0: Before that trip, I had come to Yosemite three times, I think, mm-hmm. uh, 2016, 17, and 19. I was expecting to get pretty fast used to to a climb like the Dawn And the summer before we we went for uh, for the sailing, I, I spent some times in um, in Switzerland where there's there is some good granite climbing. So we, we went uh, with Steve as well. We went on the Petit Clocher du Portalais, which is in, in the valley in, in Switzerland. And there I could, I mean, I, we could climb some hard routes. Like we put up uh, two new routes, like 114A uh, and 114B, I think, which, which are like uh, multi pitch routes, uh, something like eight to 10 pitches and and the idea was already the downwall while while going there i had done my best to to train for that downwall i hoped it would be okay but yeah (laughs) actually compared to the other route on el cap and the downwall is so harder that yeah that you can't really train on something else instead of just going for it (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah i guess so what put the idea in your head to go and do the dawn wall i mean y- you definitely have a pretty good resume climbing free climbing on el cap so that probably helped but yeah i mean when was the mo- morning you woke up and was like i think i'm gonna go climb the dawn wall um <laughs> and it you know how, how did
0: that happen since the moment i i saw kevin and, and tommy climb this this monster i like i've i've dreamed about uh, going for it it has always been in the back of my mind uh, i think but uh, without really believing in it i would say but then i guess 2 years ago i decided to like to really in, uh, invest uh, myself into into climbing and especially multi pitch and big wall climbing and so i started to to do some hard routes in europe and it always went pretty fast and pretty easy I not not really easy but it went super fast and even even in yosemite i i always had pretty fast ascent i would say so it was pretty obvious that if i would go sailing and take so much time so much effort to go there i had to to try something really challenging and really hard and yeah i mean the idea was pretty obvious that i would go for the normal yeah.
2: Um do you remember there was like a a meme like what's your dawn wall? you know, like you'd apply it to some problem in life um that, that people like what's your donwall, but it turns out that your donwall is the donwall.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll have another one after that, but <laughs> right now actually my donwall is is the real donwall. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um you're, very few people
2: can say that. Despite this and, in, in you know we're like talking about how you didn't actually climb the Dawn wall you had an incredible season in in Yosemite anyway a successful season for sure but where does this leave you as far as that dream of climbing this thing um you know you spent 9 months um you're you're dedicated to uh this mode of travel I think or um you know we can talk a little bit more about your activism around climate change but where does that leave you with the Dawn wall like what what's in your head as far as in a, another attempt, or is it something that's way on the on the back burner again?
0: Yeah, well, so I just—it's uh, been three, three, four weeks that I'm in Europe, mm. and actually, I'm I'm already thinking about going back to the, to Yosemite to try again. <laughs> so um, I'm pretty sure I'm going again there, but I I still don't want to to take the plane. I, I still think that it's not very. That we should we should not take the plane unless it's really necessary, I still mm-hmm. think about this, and actually, even this sailing made me more and more like conscious and I would say even stressed about about climate change, so I will definitely go back uh sailing I think I'm thinking about uh doing something similar uh in the next years. I don't know when, but yeah. I might, I might do it again. <laughs> I don't know. You, I don't know if I'm crazy or not. But, <laughs> <laughs> Could you uh,
2: convince the other people that went on the boat to go again? How did they? How did they fare as far as their excitement I don't about think every, sailing? I
0: don't think everyone will come again. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, actually, when on the way back, I was, I was like, oh no, never again. And it was, it was funny because even like two days after we landed in Spain, I was already like my speech had already changed <laughs> was completely different than than the moment i was i was uh sailing and i was seasick and
2: yeah it's it's like alpine climbing you know yeah it could i guess be it's like...
0: fun type too and um, just yeah just <laughs> completely
2: horrible and then you can just switch your opinion um overnight with a good night of sleep and you know yeah, some yeah. food that stays down and, and tastes good because you're not nauseous and you're <laughs> like oh i think i could i could do that again <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll see. But if I do it again, I'm gonna try to to find a faster way to cross, or with a faster boat, or with a small smaller team, or I don't know. Cause like in in nine months we took five months just just on the sailing part, mm-hmm. and four months on the climbing part. That was a bit frustrating at uh, sometimes. I'm still I'm still more a climber than a sailor. <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah i know uh, if i if i if i do it again or try it again i i'd like it to be a bit faster
2: right I hope. i've read about your dedication to um to this mode of travel and to not taking airplanes which is a, a huge part of co2 emissions and it's and it's interesting because that i think climbers want to sort of see themselves as caring about the planet obviously and and doing what they can but and that's always been I think the crux especially for someone like yourself a professional you know an international climber the airplane thing has always been the I don't know it's like the the thing nobody really wants to talk about I guess Um, you know Mm -hmm. when athletes are posting about climate change people who you know criticize that stance definitely talk about it Um, you know so it's kind of like a it's a bold move that comes with a lot of sacrifice on your part tell me about a little bit about that decision and I'm curious and not about the, just the, the sort of decision when it happened in your life, like, I'm not going to go to Yosemite on this airplane, but the decision to sort of commit yourself to this thing that is going to remain a pretty large sacrifice in your life as a professional climber. Um, and Mm -hmm. did you think about the long term nature of it and the commitment and how long you could sort of keep it up and have you set rules? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, when you mm. decided to do this, it's like, is this lifelong? Is it—is it a moment? Tell, tell me about the process well, of that. And, and also maybe some other ways in which you had to change your lifestyle to sort of, as we say here, walk the walk and not just talk yeah. the talk.
0: Well, I'm not saying that not taking the plane will will save the, the planet and, mm-hmm. and the humans. And I, I totally respect people who just continue their, their thing. But Right now, I really feel we—at least I have no no other option. We are the rich. We can we can do things that other can't do, and it's not a big sacrifice compared to the thing that will happen soon. So, yeah, I guess I guess it's just a small small sacrifice compared to what's gonna happen, and so it's it's not even a, a matter of choice. It's just a matter of obligation almost so I mean yeah it's it's uh, such a hard topic because I don't want to to say this and that people feel bad about this because they take the plane uh, and the plane is not the the only the only fight we should have uh, there are many fights and I think a lot of people and they might be right are saying that um, us as individual can't do anything but I do think that it starts with individual and if we all think like this we can influence the the politics that will make some big bigger change and like uh, have some bigger impact on on the big uh, CO, CO2 emissions yeah <laughs> it's hard to explain it in english as well i'd like to to speak in french now <laughs> no that's <laughs> uh, that's
2: well you you can uh if you want but <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's so> <laughs> uh, we'll we'll do a whole separate one in that, but I mean, I I totally get it, and you know, I've talked to Tommy Caldwell, who's making his own, um, you know, he's making his own decisions about that and being political here in the United States, and and you know, it comes with a lot of criticism because uh, everybody sort of wants black and white and perfection out of you, and I and I was actually just looking at even, and you know, I hope you don't pour over these too much, but the comments around. Um, some of your posts on Instagram, you know, there was always the person that would pipe up and, and be like, yeah, but your gear is made out of oil yeah, and you're, of course, you know, of yeah. It, which is, you know,
0: which is true. As a human. Is, yeah. We, I mean, we, we can't do, we can't be perfect. And we, no. we try to to do as much as we could, as we can in one, one topic. And, but uh, of course, if we, if we want to be perfect, we should stop climbing and just stay, stay at, not even not at home we we should stay in the forest and yeah
2: (laughs) yeah no it's yeah i mean it's 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 an impact i mean i'm sitting around literally before i came on here and um you know looking at buying trying to buy an electric car and there's all these problems with that as well you know it in and and it just there's a problem with our sort of modern lifestyle i think that is yeah it's just tricky i mean even a vehicle like you know we want to move Pick up four thousand pounds and move it from here to the store and back. You know, it's like it takes mm-hmm. energy. It doesn't matter if it's a battery or if it's if yeah. it's fossil, fossil fuels or things like that. So, but you know, I mean, I, I admire the part about you taking on a personal challenge. And aside from the, the things you want to kind of do with the examples you're you're starting in life or, your, or the the statements you want to make, just the fact that you took on that challenge is is a great story and uh you know the fact that you went sailing for the first time a a week before you left on a sailboat i think is just cool and um, you know (laughs) and and so you know leaving sort of the 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 politics you're trying to explain in english aside um i I think it's a great story and and i don't i'll be interested to see if you can find a faster way to get to get across the ocean
0: (laughs) yeah yeah we We've been thinking about different things, but we don't. I don't know if it's gonna work or not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but we 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 met some some sailboats that that would go uh, that would go through in two weeks. So oh, maybe. Okay. But it's gonna be less less practical for training, I think.
2: <laughs> well, you know, and and backing back up, I mean, I, I mentioned how you had an actually very awesome trip to Yosemite. Whatever you learned on the Don Wall is gonna come in handy. But then you know i have this running joke on here which is called the the yorg verhoven award which is um Shoot. when when somebody does some rad thing in climbing and and because something else happens right next to it like the dawn wall the first time um kind of happened to to York's ascent of the nose and i feel a little bit like that with your career which is um is interesting because i think it's really just about media and us in the states not paying attention to european climbers um, that much because yeah. I mean you've climbed the nose. You did I think the seventh or eighth ascent, eighth ascent of the nose free. Yeah,
0: uh, seventh I think. But
2: yeah, yeah. I think right after Connor. I mean by,
0: yeah, right after Connor, and, then, and yeah. then Jacopo and Babsy did it. Just right, uh,
2: right after the the fifteen year old high school kid did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: that, that's crazy. <laughs> Connor and is then, really um, interesting.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's only getting started too. But um, I, know, I know, but I mean. He, on this trip, you did um, – I mean, you did, I, I couldn't quite figure it out, but you did a ground-up ascent of El Nino with the Pineapple Express. Yeah, in, in a but, day. But you also did it in a day?
0: Yeah, I, I did it yeah. ground-up in a day, in yeah, in one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> like, um, I didn't even know that. And, it's, and like, that's – I mean, that's literally one of the most oppressive, free ascents of El Cap that's ever been done. I mean, you know, <laughs> we could quibble about – no, no, no. I'm telling you this. You don't have to, you don't have to deny it. Um, I mean, you can quibble about different styles and, and people who did different pitches, faster or things, but I mean, really it's up there with, I think one of the raddest things that's, that's been done in free climbing on El Cap. So, um, you know, you came off the Dawn wall and obviously that freaking thing must've put you in really good Yosemite climbing shape, oh, regardless so. of what happened on that climb.
0: Of course, after after the normal, every foothold elsewhere on El Cap is a, is a jug. <laughs> it's a, it's a, I, you know. So I think uh, it's the perfect training for doing something else easier. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: So tell me, just tell me a little bit about that ascent because that's the one that stuck out. I mean, you you also tried to do two routes in a day, um, yeah. That's and, <laughs> and you did later. the Golden Eight and like Golden Gate in like eleven hours, which is also like is completely astounding as a free climb. Um, yeah. But yeah, tell me a little bit about approaching El Nino, tr- trying to do the ground up. Um, I mean, you were trying to do a ground up onsite and almost did that as well.
0: Yeah. So uh, after after the downwall, I went, uh, I had, after my, my push try, my push attempt on the downwall, I had, I think, two rest days. And then I jumped into uh, Golden Gate with my girlfriend. And we we, mm-hmm. sp- we spent nine days uh, on, on the route. So I was supporting a, her. And then I went down and my only envy was to, to go as fast as possible on El Cap and just climb as much as I could. After just like spending days on, on one pitch on the downwall I wanted to climb. So I had this dream of training El Nino on-site for a few years. It was not... Um, a real realistic uh, objective or realistic goal but it was kind of a hidden dream <laughs> uh, that i had just to to go for it in a day and just send everything without falling so as as i was feeling pretty good on on el cap uh, at that moment i was like oh maybe that's 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 the time for for an attempt and some other cl- uh, climbers, uh, Sam Stroh and and Tevish MacArthur, who had had tried it before, so so they they gave me some info about about where we should do anchor. What I mean, they they gave me some info, and I just went for it in a day, trying to to send everything. Yeah, I didn't I didn't fall uh, for the twenty first pitches, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. I was really happy with my climbing the whole day. Uh I don't think I had a better climbing day in my whole life <laughs> before. So so yeah. The the whole day was perfect and then I arrived at this um this crux pitch. I don't I don't remember what, what pitch it is. I think twenty-one or something. I think it's the, the crux pitch of the whole route, even if it's not graded that uh that hard. It's it's graded thirteen A. And actually, it's the the place where you have to choose between um, between two pitch. Either you go left on the, on the traverse, uh, which is 13A, but apparently always wet, uh, or you go straight up into into this uh, bouldery section. And I I think a keyhole broke a few years ago, so so the 13A is no more. 13C, I, I think. And yeah, <laughs> I, I went for it 100%, but uh, I, I still fell. I went back to the anchor. I could send the pitch. It was dark already, but I still I still went on the left way to try the um, the traverse vari- variation and still be on site. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, th- I I think the um, the mental was not there anymore. <laughs> so I I went back straight up and and we we finished the route. But yeah, it was for sure it was my biggest my best day maybe in my whole life climbing i really felt a nice flow and yeah was nice really nice that's awesome
2: like yeah. i mean like i said it's it's up there in the annals of 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 uh free climbing on el cap as a pretty proud thing to attempt to do and come that close to on cuz you know n- no free route on el cap's been on sided yet i don't think um, unless Freerider's gotten done that way, but yeah, I don't maybe, think so.
0: I, I think Pete Whittaker uh, did did flash or on-site Freerider, but he, he fell on, on the boulder problem, oh. and then he went down and did the same thing I wanted to do uh, with the, right. the corner on the left. So. Right. He, but still- Nevertheless, he, awesome, yeah, awesome can, job, dude. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. again, we could like, pick apart all sorts of things but we don't have to rank it as the best but it's it's up there um and then you had this idea this this idea to try to free two routes on el cap and the golden gate and el nino and it and again like just blazing up golden gate in about 11 hours free has to be again some sort of record and then cruising over but just kind of running out of steam and in time finally on On uh, El Nino, but still an astounding amount of climbing—fifty some pitches uh, (laughs) of free climbing in twenty-four hours. So,
0: yeah, this this was a fun day, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was uh, one of the first time uh, that I I tried like uh, to speed climb on El Cap. I mean, really do some semi climb and play the game of um, micro traction at at every anchor and just like. It was really fun i i I partnered up with uh, amity one for the mm-hmm. golden gate uh and we we went so fast uh through free blast at night it was incredible <laughs> i would i think i would remember this uh for a long time for sure and as as i knew i i knew pretty well uh golden Gate as we i i had just spent um nine days in it and and Nino was still pretty fresh in my mind. So once again, it was a hidden dream, I would say, to try to repeat that uh, incredible challenge that Tommy just did in 2005, I think, which is still for me uh, the best achievement on El Cap, on free climbing, I would say, doing these two routes in in, in 24 hours. And so I I did not really believe I could do it. And that's probably my mistake. (laughs) Because uh, <laughs> I was not mentally, I was like, I'm gonna do Golden Gate, and if I do it under 12 hours, I might go on El Nino. But I was not, I was not really believing in myself that I could do it in under 12. So I was in a way just preparing the second one, but not really believing I, I could, I could go for for it. So when I when I arrived at the top of El Cap in 11 hours, I was like, ah oh, no no i I, <laughs> I you know i i have to go to go and try the second one and and during the, that second uh, that second route it was all, always the thing you know i and nino start with uh, three hard pitch uh three hard uh, 13 a b pitch pitches and i did uh, like i wouldn't fall it was crazy i was just like fighting and and staying on the wall and i, I was like damn but when when am I gonna fall? You know,
2: <laughs> and get this I, over with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I was, I was almost like uh, hoping for like for fall and for uh, uh, some point where I could not climb anymore, and and it wouldn't like wouldn't happen. I just, I, I was just going up and up, and I was like, oh no! Right now, I'm gonna like, I have to, to finish this thing, and finally, it, it happened. <laughs> I, I, I just like. Uh, really run out of uh, of everything, I, I think. I wish I had a bit more time to get ready for such a long endurance challenge because uh, so I, I, I had done El Nino in a day which was for sure a really good training, but still I had not totally recovered from from that, that El Nino in a day, but we, we had to leave uh, with the boat around the 15th of May because of the the cyclones and the hurricanes that are in the east coast during that period of time, so we had to go back, and I was I was already like trying to stretch a bit the time and ask the captain if we if we could go back a bit a bit later, and yeah, if I I think I, I should have trained really differently to have success in such a specific challenge. <laughs>
2: It's funny the um the guy that that supported you on the uh, on El Nino Danford
0: yeah Dan yeah yeah nice. Dan,
2: yeah he, this is the second podcast in a row where he his name popped up because I just talked to Bronwyn Hodgins. oh um, yeah
0: he's a big, good friend of Bronwyn well he wasn't
2: they had they met like a day before he went up and supported Ooh. her on Golden Gate right yeah so he went up with her for like eight or nine days and and Bronwyn was like yeah. I was like, "Well, what did you do on those rest days on El Cap?" And she's like, "Well, you know, we kind of got to know each other because I I'd, I'd only just met this guy like a couple days before." So
0: this guy was it was incredible. I was searching for this uh, link up, uh, free link up on El Cap. I was searching. I had already uh joining for Golden Gate, but I was mm-hmm. still searching for El Nino. Uh, kind of, uh, it was just two days before I had I had to go for it because uh, i know no much more time and i was talking to some guys uh, at midnight lightning i think and i was i was like i was giving up already i was like i won't i won't find anyone psyched and fast enough to to come with me and he was like he heard about this and was like oh i have i have no choice actually i have to support you this project (laughs) is just so not so nice not to be supported I was like oh wow he looks and it was he was really sight and really really nice to was the the best partner for for this actually because I arrived at the base of a Nino just already pretty tired and he was get, going so fast in all the jogging all the the rope management it was yeah it, it was it was incredible actually <laughs> it was fun to see him like just yeah, <laughs> it was actually even in the beginning of of the route he was a bit a bit stressed, you know. I, he did a small, he forgot to to clean one piece that I I let in a crack because he, he was a, a bit like he was shaky and going a bit a bit too fast. I would I would say, right? And,
2: uh, too too jacked but, up, too
0: psyched. Yeah, a, a bit. But actually, I didn't care. Like for me, ten more minutes of rest between between the, the my goals were perfect so right so I was he was like oh no I'm so sorry and he just went even faster to to went down pick up the piece and jog super fast and I was like no please take your time (laughs) I would prefer like uh, you can go (laughs) slow I don't want to climb that that much in that and that fast you know was pretty fun (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah th- yeah like i said he's he's come up on two podcasts maybe i should have him on the show yeah well, uh, i think yeah.
0: He, yeah, he has something to say and he did he did a triple <laughs> the triple crown i think uh mm-hmm.
2: recently so yeah, yeah. totally because i started following him on instagram so um anyway yeah. if you're out there dude uh get in touch we're we're qualifying all these things in, in my mind obviously success means that you you hit exactly what your goal was but yeah, of i don't know i just look at your season there and just all these incredible adventures and you know some things you hit your goals some things you missed your goals but you know you Not did it. a lifetime of of a lot of people's climbing in that in that one season mm-hmm. um and then the 9 month period of you know this the sailing and and climbing Yosemite I mean it, you just lived a lifetime in those 9 months I think oh, course, and it, it's course. just <laughs> it, it's just this and you know and we're just like yeah and then you did this and then you did that and it just kind of belies the fact that it you know it was a lifetime of adventure for most people even most adventurous climbers you know so i mean you have to be reflecting on that i mean what what are sort of your f- reflections a few weeks later of those nine months as you've been back um living a, a little bit more of a normal lifestyle there in europe
0: well no as you say it was an incredible uh nine month and all of us and all all the all my friends, the eight of us, we we learned a lot about ourselves living in a group for such a long time. I learned a lot about my my climbing. I, I learned a lot about really myself t- with the others. Yeah, it was of of course it was a, yeah an experience of a lifetime for sure. Uh, yeah, That's Well, true. let me
2: change gears and talk a little bit about the community over there. Another maybe thing that at least fueled the idea of the sailboat climbing the Alpine trilogy over there with um a fellow Belgian climber um Nico Favras. and I don't know it's like what's in the water there like the these you you guys coming out of out of uh, you know sort of a Belgian climbing scene coming up through the gyms it sounds like um and then turning the switch into into this adventure, but then the thing that kind of strikes me you know, one of the things you mentioned in that Alpine trilogy adventure where you were riding um bicycles between these three great Alps faces in, in different parts of Europe, in different countries. And, uh, you know, you mentioned just one, like saying how you had nothing extra in your bikes except for a pink flamingo and a guitar, um, <laughs> or a mandolin. I can't remember. I think he plays both, but this sort of hardcore adventure, but like, this kind of a wink and and sort of a I'm not going to take this too seriously attitude is that unique to you guys or is it something to do with the scene there um I, you know I, and then you throw Sean uh, Villanueva Driscoll in yeah. there and it's like you know it's I just guess, like traveling party <laughs>
0: yeah I think I think it's their fault uh, Nico and Sean oh. <laughs> I think the uh, yeah <laughs> they 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 brought the um, this side of climbing in, in Belgium, I think. I mean, I, I I've I've been wa- watching their movies and their films like since I'm I'm pretty young. So si- since I'm I'm ten, I want to do uh, the same shits are, uh, same shits are they, as they do. So <laughs> okay. just, there is a really good mood climbing in Belgium, even in in Freyr, our local crag, which is a limestone old school slabby crag, and. It's always really nice to go climbing there. Periods. Uh, the grades are really hard, so you you get your uh, your ass kicked almost every time you go there. And then you you always finish with uh, with some good uh, Belgian fries and some good beers. So right. so I think there there might be something linked to this <laughs> to to Freyr, which is the yeah our best our best place to to practice climbing. But still, their their way of uh, of living, the climbing, of just uh, doing adventures is pretty unique, and uh, for sure, it's inspiring for young Belgian climbers. My generation, we we were really big fan of of their their way of uh, doing things.
2: Well, yeah, because I I have a I sometimes forget that those guys um, are kind of becoming. You know, elder statesmen. Older. Of, yeah. 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 And, and so I, because I, maybe because they're, they're such, you know, they're so childish at heart at times <laughs> that I forget that they, that you are, you guys are a separate generation, you know. And, um, I talked a lot to, to Siba about, um, his climb in Patagonia with those guys. And yeah, I, I kind of forget that you guys would have had their posters and, and would have been reading about them as little kids, basically. Yeah. Um, and the other <laughs> thing I think is interesting is that Nico, you know, he showed this path of be of being a really good comp climber and being a really good sort of plastic climber, and then and then switching gears, mm-hmm. and that that there is a path, you know, from one thing to the other. And we have a tendency to think of those as separate or as as not necessarily one leading to the other. At least here in the states, I think people are real specialized um, mm-hmm. away from that idea.
0: Yeah, it's. I'm I'm always kidding uh, with Nico when I see him. About uh, his age, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm always joking about about this to with him, and but still, he's, he's really it's really impressive how good climber he still is still his, and how how young actually he still is still his in his mind, and um, yeah, it's really inspiring for me.
2: All right, I'm looking up Nico's age, so I because I'm going to decide whether or not I'm offended right now.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm sorry uh. for that. He's 42 uh, yeah, I'm
2: offended. I am offended oh, yeah. cuz he's only 42. <laughs> 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 so so save your old man talk. <laughs> no, but I get it. Like I like I said it's it's hard to remember that he's also not 22 or whatever. Um um how old yeah. are you? Uh I'm
0: I'm 20. I'm just I just turned out 29 actually. Last okay.
2: Week. Yeah, so anyway, while we're, t- while we're talking about the Belgian climbing scene and, and talking about, too, how I think in the U.S., I think we have a real blind spot to um, guys like you and, and you know, again, going to Yosemite and doing these things that are any of the climbing that you're doing over there and not really hearing about it. So who, who am I missing? Who are we missing in the Belgian scene? Um, you know, <laughs> I talked to Siva. I talked to you. I'd love to talk to Nico. He's hard to pin down, but. Who's up and coming and uh, among your sort of cohort that you think uh, we should keep an eye on?
0: Yeah, I you know there are many, many strong young, uh, young guns in Belgium right now. I don't know if you if you heard about Anak Verhoeven. I guess you you heard about her. She's more like mm-hmm. uh, she, she she used to compete but uh, decided to just uh, sport climb recently, outdoor. Mm-hmm. But uh, for example, she's really interested into the the big wall climbing and the Yosemite. History, she knows pretty well, and I wouldn't be surprised if she goes for it pretty soon. I, I think she she might be a really strong Yosemite climber one day. And we we also have uh, Simon Lorenzi, who is a really strong boulder but uh, also really interested in in all the climbing big wall history. Uh, mm-hmm. We have names like. Uh, Sven we, L'Empereur, Loïc Debris. We have many, many climbers that, that could surprise American people soon. I don't know.
2: <laughs> get, get all these people on, the, on your sailboat, dude, and get them over here. Let's try them. Huh? Let's see what... <laughs> so l- let me ask you about your, um, you know, your sort of other dreams or, you know, what are some of these other climbs that that sort of burn at you in, in terms of, of thinking about your resume and, and some things that you want to get done?
0: Actually, El Cap is still like attract uh, attracting me a lot. Like either mm-hmm. magic mushroom or the Hidal Wall or the new uh, the new down. Uh, so every every route on El Cap is attracting me a lot. Oh, uh, there there are so many things to do uh, in climbing that I think I, I might be busy for some more years. I'd love to to open. A hard multi-pitch climbing route, one day. Uh, I don't know where yet, but it's of course one of my dreams. And uh, I, I've never been in Patagonia as well. I don't know if I, if I'll go one day or not. Right now, I'm not that uh, motivated for Patagonia, as I'm. I'm still like really focused on on the ports, climbing part. For example, even the bouldering. I'm, I'm still psyched for it. So I might save it uh, for later. I don't know when, but uh, we'll see. And we we have an idea actually, even with uh, Nico Favres. There is a line in in Verdun, uh, which which can be pretty futuristic and really hard as a mid pitch. So that's that's that could be the downwall of Europe actually. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, let me ask you this: Has he been has he been eyeballing this for? for some decades okay because <laughs> i i ran into him in the verdon um one time uh climbing with sylvain Millet and uh oh we, that
0: was it that that's the okay one, I think.
2: all right yeah, they, yeah they because did. we but he, he it was never like get, what's that go he, ahead. Never
0: went, he never went back there i think oh, okay. so he, he tried this route with sylvain they they, they bolted few pitches but not everything and he told me it's it's amazingly hard and uh incredible so i yeah that could that could be the one <laughs> and well, he, he it's, proposed it's, me to, yeah. to go for it uh, one day so we'll see <laughs>
2: awesome yeah he he we were it was very it was cold um and there weren't many people climbing up there and i we just kept running into him in his van those guys in their van each morning and that's my nico favras uh impression is i go we are looking yeah. at the future is what he t- he said to me even back then so um so that, he's been advertising this route for a while actually
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> and i uh, ah yeah. shit that was like 2012 maybe 2011
0: i don't know um yeah, that's that's dude. incredible that you met him there and i'm just <laughs> thinking about <you. laughs>
2: that's my that's my whole thing dude is i i've just been around you know <laughs> yeah it was yeah. totally awesome, awesome. um what about, let me ask you this. What about areas like a, a place, you know, you mentioned maybe going to Patagonia, but, you know, aside from the, where it is and how, how you might get there, like what are a couple of places you haven't visited yet climbing wise that, um, y- again, like, you know, if you were growing up watching Nico or, and, you know, I, I used to say you grew up reading magazines, but you're of a generation that just, you know, grew up looking online at awesome climbing areas around the world um where's the place you haven't been but you you're you know you got to get there before before uh the end
0: yeah it's before the end it's it's hard to say uh, right now even in europe there are many places which worth uh the to go so
2: when i first started climbing like the desert towers just like as soon as i saw oh, yeah. those i was like this is this is something you know um yeah. i've got to go and deal with and you know there's a couple places left in my list of like that's been in my brain for a long long time is there just imagination wise is there are there places that have ever that, that have caught you that you still haven't been to
0: yeah i mean the all the this trango tower uh, all these these big walls in pakistan all this uh, yeah even the thing in um in, in greenland that Nico and Sean are just uh, <laughs> freeing. Uh, all all these these walls are like, of course, attracting me a lot. Uh, but right now, with the, my my idea of limiting uh, limiting the my my emissions, and I I don't know. I'm I'm just like I'm really psyched about uh, discovering Europe. A bit more. Even in Belgium, there are many, many routes that I want to try that I think I, I will never have the opportunity to, to try because of the limiting time. I have a lot of dreams here in, in, in France and Belgium and Spain. And even uh, we have the Frankenjura five hours by train here. So it's, it's even uh, too big for a lifetime. So it would be good, I think. <laughs>
2: So let me ask you, what's the deal with the lycra?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that's the question. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> it's on my first big trip with friends. We we passed through uh thrift. I've I've so so much trouble to pronounce it. Uh, the second hand shop, thrift shop. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thrift thrift Shirt, shop in shop. the states. Yeah, yeah, thrift shop. Yeah. And we found this, these amazing lycra pants and we, we all bought one. And from, from that time, I, we all still climbing with these. So with different one. Since then, I have, I have many, <laughs> many that I can change. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, I even gave a one to Tommy, I think. <laughs> oh, really? yeah Yeah a uh pink flamingo one which is which is great one of my best i i, I think i i hope it will bring him bring him luck <laughs> but yeah then it's actually it's it makes you really flexible when you climb i don't know how but uh, it works <laughs> no and and even more it's um Oh, it's fun. It, it it's a good way to to make the climbing a bit less serious. Serious, I would say. <laughs> all
2: right, folks. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Seb for connecting all the way from Belgium. Crazy time difference and everything else. And I was just so. Overjoyed to hear that he had discovered the Enormacast on the boat, listening during his night watches, which I don't know, just, just sent me sort of dreaming about how he might be out there looking at the stars and the waves, cruising along on the boat, and listening to the Enormacast was just so cool. So, if you want to find out more about Seb, just hit him up on the Instagram. He keeps things real up to date there. He's also got a website, SebastianBert.com, but a little out of date. They always get out of date. They're so hard to keep up with. Also, his Facebook page actually is quite good with chronicling the trip across the ocean and back. If you want to go back there, you can see the whole story. I'm sure there'll be some films coming out about that trip as well. So look forward to that. Cool. All right, folks. It is the fall. The greatest time to be a climber, at least here in North America. So hopefully you're getting after it out there, being safe, watching out for each other. Putting your knots in the end of the rope, using your signals, wearing your helmets, using your grigri properly, the way the high school kid working at the gym told you to, and also check your knots. are clean!